Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary, and my patrons, Saskaluler Tulia, Saskaluler Tulier, Thanks, patrons. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm going to listen to this after, of course, so we'll see. Will it make the cut? Uh, did you, What did you just hear? Because you won't hear this if it doesn't make the cut. Saskalula to you. Uh, let's get out the show. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing and turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep we do is a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's thoughts, feelings, physical sensations, time, temperature, seasonal changes, you know, the seasonal stuff. Uh, travel, whatever is keeping you awake, I'd like to take your mind off. I'd like to distract you from it in a way that's just interesting enough to get your attention, but not super engaging. And that's what I mean, like a safe place where you could say, hmm, I could pay, safe, imagine a school. I guess this wouldn't be a very good school, but it'd be a good school to sleep in. Well, I guess it'd be more of a professorial uh, situation or some sort of uh, experimental school that the funding doesn't come through for the second year or quarter run by scoots, uh, where we say paying, paying, paying attention is optional. There was a Simpsons episode like that, uh, where Bart and Lisa got sent to the wrong schools. Yeah, really, like early on, but they say, hey, go ahead and get in, you know, beanbags and all that stuff. That's my safe place. So this is a podcast where listening is optional. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use the lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones, pointless meanders. I've already been on a couple. Uh, tangents, me underwear. Me, no, no, not me. My, me underwear is me underwear. Uh, I try to make you feel comfortable, like, and maybe not make you guffaw, uh, but, you know, just fall. I guess, yes, could you could you just fall or guff? Uh, I guess you'd be, I'm more of a guffer. You'd say, Scoots doesn't make me, you'd say, in, in my perfect world, you'd say, uh, Scoots doesn't make me guffaw, but I do get a little bit of a guff out, uh. And I guess that's good because there was those Billy Guffs. Uh, oh, those were Billy Gruff goats or something or something. Let's go back to that. Let me set up new listeners. I'm glad you're here trying to create a safe place to help you fall asleep. Uh, let me give you a couple structural things. Show starts with business, about four minutes of business. That's how we keep the show in over 650 archived episodes free. Is it? sponsors and the patrons at the top of the show and between the intro and the story. And you can find all that at sleepwithmepodcast.com slash sponsors. But if you're new, that's not super important. Thanks for sitting through that. Uh, then there's the intro. The intro's around 12 minutes or so of me uh, welcoming the new listeners. Uh, and then, so it's a familiar part. You say, hey, welcome to the show. Let me get you uh, set up so you know what's coming. 
And then I get mixed up usually or distracted by billy goats and what are, what are their names? And is there a word called guff? I mean, I know there is. How about a shirt that says, are you guff enough? Uh, I think waiting for Guffman might have us, you know, they might have, uh, they might say, well, I doth protest. Oh, so, okay, so there's an intro where I ramble for about 12 minutes. Most listeners said it while they're getting ready for bed or while they're just winding down, just getting into bed. And it kind of sets the stage for the rest of the show. Tonight we'll be talking about our, we'll have an episode of our ongoing uh, uh, episodically modular serial series uh, about a girl who lives in a theme park, a very dense uh, and lulling bedtime story. And some, a few listeners just skip ahead to that. Those are usually people, they check out the ads and then skip ahead to the story. Uh, and it was some people, some people fall asleep during the intro. Some people listen to the intro over and over again. And some people let the podcast play all night. So there's no real wrong way to listen to the podcast. You don't need to listen, clearly. Oh, structure. Sorry, I was already mixed up. I already went off topic. Uh, so there's an intro, a bedtime story, and some thank yous at the end. And there's ways to support the show sandwiched in there. So that's the structure of the show. But you don't need to listen. Uh, it'd be great if you pay attention at the top of the show, but uh, otherwise you don't need to pay attention. You don't need to pay me any mind. Uh, and you can listen at a low volume. You can adjust the volume. You can put a pillow over your, your phone, or you could put your phone on your nightstand and put a pillow over your head, or use a Bluetooth speaker. That's what I would recommend. Or sleep phones. Uh so that's, uh, oh, so you don't need to listen to me. That's optional. But if you can't sleep, uh, if you need some companionship in the deep, dark night, I'll be here all the way to the end. Because uh, I know there is a percentage of listeners ever since the start of the show uh, that are going to be up all night. And I'm here. I'm here to keep you company, to keep you barely entertained, to barely entertained, to give you some guffs. Uh, because I do declare, I also declare I am guff enough. Uh, I hopefully, I, I guess I probably should have Googled what guff means. Because uh, I guess usually say, hey, are you giving me some guff? And I'd say, yeah, oh, I'm giving you guff by the dozens. Guffaws, ha- half guffaws, guffaws, half off. Because uh, I don't want to give you any awes. Because uh, it's after the guff, uh, you know what I mean? Like, uh. You can have an incomplete guffaw. That's a guff. Uh, but I, like to have an awe, I don't know if you can have an awe without having a guff. You can have a guff without an awe. Oh, wait. Oh, sorry. I got to get back to the new listeners. I was trying to explain the. Uh, so this is a podcast you don't really need to listen to. And you're also under no pressure to fall asleep. I'll be here for about an hour. And I'll be giving it my all. Uh, so you can fall asleep whenever you feel like it. Uh, just like if we were holding hands, if you're comfortable with that imagery, we don't really need to. Uh, we don't need to hold hands. But I'll be here walking at your side. And ideally, you'll slowly drift through my hands or drift off uh, into dreamland. Uh, so that's how the show works. And usually this part of the intro where I try to make a metaphor for how the podcast works. And part of it is, yeah, like maybe like something... Like pre-humor, they say, what's kind of like humor? Uh, 
It's like maybe Scoots has some of the energy of jokes, uh, like the raw material. He just doesn't know what to do with it. He's kind of sitting in, you know, like rare earth minerals. He's got, uh, I wouldn't say they're rare humor minerals, uh, but he does have some, you know, basic humor constructs. Is They're just all over the place. And yeah, I'd say in the hands of someone more deft, uh, you they would be handing out guffaws. But I'm just here to hand out guffs. And I still am confused, so I do need to take a few minutes to analyze these words. Uh, so there's guffaw, then there's guff. Then I think my grandparents' grandparents would say, uh, if you were if you were like uh, if you had an attitude, they would say save the guff for somebody else. I think I can hear that, but I hear a lot of things that aren't you know necessarily exist at all. And then there was the billy goats, uh, and I guess those were the billy goats gruff. They weren't the billy goats guff. Uh, like they were the billy goats gruff, which I think, like, uh, here's, and I'm not trying to do this intentionally, like scruff. I, I picture billy goats with scruff, like, uh, like kind of like half beards. Uh, so what makes them gruff? Because uh, uh, does that mean, and I'm not, I guess, I'm, I mean, I'll look it up later. But what it made them gruff, like they they uh, they all went over a bridge, and uh, that's all. I, that's all. I, I mean, I remember the other stuff that happened with the, bri- the bridge tender who said, "Well, hey, how about this or how about that? Who's tra- traipsing around? I just painted this bridge." Uh, and we all know how that story went. <laughs> Some of us, uh, but <laughs> one of us maybe not. Uh, so those were the Billy Goats gruff. Uh, as opposed to, as, and then there's the grandparents that maybe at some point in the last 300 years said guff. Uh, I think that's a thing. I will look it up when I'm done. But I'm saying, I'm trying, oh boy, I guess I lost, you know, ideally I lost you somewhere along there as I try to follow these thoughts. But like, yeah, humor like stuff, guff. Uh, and I, I told, I think there was a movie that I used to watch a long time ago called Tough Enough, maybe. But I looked, I've Googled it, and I said, no, that's not the same movie. Uh, but, you know, I have the guff stuff. Uh, what did I say before? I'm going to bring the guff? I don't think I said, I do, I try to bring the guff. I buckets of gr- guff. Uh, my voice is gruff. I, I mean, I don't even know what gruff means, but I would say these are creaky dulcet, gruffy tones. Yeah, they're gruffy. The bits is now he's not stuffy. He's more gruffy. Also, that was my favorite Muppet that only appeared on one episode of the Muppet Show. It was Gruffy, Gruffy the puppy. Yeah, he worked for Rolf uh, for a little while. Rolf was a piano player. Am I correct? Uh, yeah, Gruffy. He was like Rolf's cousin, and his job was to shine the keys of the piano. And uh, Gruffy the puppy. Only one episode. It was a, I think it was like the Muppets uh, episode forty-seven, uh, the lost episode, only available on the Muppet tapes, uh, which were downloaded directly into my brain. And unfortunately, they're not even available on eBay because uh, uh, they're kind of <laughs> surrounded by guffy stuff. Uh, so anyway, if you're new here, I would posit that that was a pretty dense non. Uh, I don't know if that was a non sequitur, but it was nonsense, uh, non sensitor. 
So making up words now nonstop. Anyway, I, I, hopefully I took your mind off stuff. Uh, this is a podcast to help you, to keep you company, and to, to distract you as you drift off into sleep. It's a little bit different than most things. A little bit silly, a little bit strange, but I really want to help. I've been there, sleepless in the deep dark night. I, last night, oof. Yeah, I was, uh, yeah, I had multiple distractions going on and I kept waking up. And I don't think I had any trouble initially falling asleep. But yeah, and, and the thing is, I know what it's like. Uh, and I feel for you. And I may not know exactly why you can't get a good night's sleep, but I really, truly, wholeheartedly believe you deserve a good night's sleep. And I believe the world will be a better place if you're rested and out there flourishing in it. Uh, so I'm here to help. Now, it doesn't help everybody. Give it a few, two or three tries, uh, three or four tries if needed, and see what, see if it works. Uh, it's uh, no pressure. Uh, test it out and see what happens. No expectations, but I hope it helps. Uh, I work very hard. I yearn and I strive because I want to help you fall asleep. Thanks for coming by. And if I could have a few minutes of your attention while we talk about how we keep the show a-going. All right, hey, everybody, welcome to our ongoing uh, episodic uh, modular, but it has a serial kind of uh, series, extremely dreamy. And uh, it's uh, a very it's very dense uh, so that you can fall deep asleep. It's about a young girl, a young woman, uh, growing up in a theme park. And uh, in order to transition, I want to go on Wikipedia here and read you uh, the Wikipedia article about the film The African Queen. A 1951 British-American adventure film adapted from the 1935 novel of the same name by C.S. Forrester. The film was directed by John Huston and produced by Sam Spiegel and John Wolfe. It stars Humphrey Bogart, who won Academy Award for Best Oscar, or Best Actor, his only Oscar, and Catherine Hepburn. It currently holds a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, a fresh rating. It was selected for preservation in the National Film Registry in 1994. And I am going to run through the plot here as we drift away. It starts with uh, Samuel Sayer and his sister Rose, uh, who are missionaries uh, in German East Africa at the beginning of WW1 in 1914. Uh, their mail and supplies are delivered by a small steam launch named the Na- African Queen, helmed by rough and ready can- Canadian Captain Charlie Allnut, whose coarse behavior they tolerate in a stiff manner. Charlie warns them, you know, trouble's on the horizon, but the sayers stay on. And uh, then, you know, the WW type stuff gets started. And, uh, other, uh, you know, like, uh, stuff that impacts Rose and she gets, her and Charlie get set off in the African queen. Yeah. Uh, Charlie says, Hey, uh, there's so there's a, you know, there's stuff in the river, other people, other boats, uh, including the queen Louise, uh, you know, running around. 
And Rose comes up with a kind of a vision to to deal with that. Uh, Charlie says, that's going to be really tough. Uh, there's rapids, there's forts, uh, but Rose is insistent. And during their journey, they encounter many obstacles, just like a good movie. And, you know, it gets, once it starts off easy, then it gets tougher. Uh, they have to improvise. Then they go through a second thing. Uh, it gets a little tougher, but they make it. And eventually they embrace, just embrace. Uh, but then, you know, they, they say, hey, what about, uh, you know, life in a boat? Uh, just the two of us. And then there's more rapids, and they say, "Well, this is this time the the boat might be toast." And they uh, they try they go to shore, they try to do some fixing, and they do, and then they like improvise again. Rose improvises even a bellows, uh, but then they lose the channel, and they're lost in a sprawling delta. And they're stuck in the muck, and no supplies, and low, you know, they're they're at at the edge, as they say. And then the rains come, and it rises the river up, and they float away out of the muck and into the lake, uh, where they uh, sneak around. And then Rose says, "Hey, let's see, let's see, let's like in that, you know, ww them back as as in." Uh, with these cylinders, and they, they there's more adva- serious adventuring, uh, and then they think, wait a second, we kind of like each other, and they say, well, where'd Rose go? And then they say, well, you, you, what about you, Charlie? You're, whose side are you on? And then Rose is back, and then Charlie's in trouble, and she says, hey, Charlie, what's up, buddy? Uh, uh, you remember that, like embracing the boats, but he wants to keep, you know, protect her. So he says, huh, hardy, rough, rough. Uh, but then Rose says, you know, I'm going to tell you everything. And then they say, well, why don't we get married then? Because, uh, let's do that. And then, then they say, well, why not? That's, we do this kind of thing all the time. Uh, but then they realize that, uh, the African queen had, uh, it tricked them, and the plan was really a, 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 like a double tricky poo. And now that they're married, they head off uh, in love. And I want you to head off, uh, drifting like a boat on a river, uh, which is much like a bird drifting in the air on the thermals in the sky or floating in the water as we drift uh, deeper into another space. I guess my story about you is a bit different than the other attractions. Uh, for my uh, my borders uh, grew over the years because uh, my trees, well, the trees that are part of me, it's strange to be an outdoor attraction, almost entirely outdoors, uh, because I, I guess I am different than a lot of the other attractions. Not that there's not others like me, 
But you see, the trees that were within me uh, are a part of me. Because I guess you, I, I guess I'm not sure of that. Uh, but I'm deeply connected to those trees. And over the years, those trees have gone under the earth and floated on the air and connected with other trees and grew other trees. And also the vines and the mosses you see hanging from a lot of the trees here in the park. Uh, those are part of me, and because of that, I can be in touch with them and I can observe through them, so I had already been watching you, with amusement, I might say, and curiosity. Uh, maybe I'm a mirror, because you seem to be full of uh, the second one. Uh, you, you would Sometimes I would see amusement on you. But yes, I kind of grew across the park, though I never took on some big-wig role that I speak uh, for other attractions or that I speak for the park as a whole. And I'm not much of a gossip. Uh, that's what everybody thought to say. Well, tell me what's going on over at uh, Science Central. Is it a... And I said, well, it's not my thing. I'm just, uh, you know, it is actually when you're a vine or a tree, people don't bother you with questions. No one knew until now. So I, I, I guess uh, it doesn't matter now anyway. But I would watch you back at the World of Toys up in that tower, the tall, tall, tall clock tower, and how even after you left that attraction, you would return to that tower and look out across the park, across the horizon, and how you had created a little workshop at its base with your binoculars and your tools and your market. You were keeping track of things. And at first I was like, she's just looking on the horizon for other people like her. But I also began to notice you looking around the park with more and more detail and starting to gather things. And I said, she's on a, you're looking for the caretaker, I believe. And I know you had a big pile of candy wrappers. Of that one bar they had in the park, and named after the, I think it's synonymous with the squirrel character of the park, Nutso, with a Z. And that was the Nutso bar. And you had been gathering wrappers you found around the park, which were too fresh, uh, and I said, she's on a case. She's looking to find out who's leaving these nutso wrappers around. And you had boot prints you had dug out of the mud and took with you. I know you had read some, you know, you've been reading so many books uh, that some of those books of mysteries and investigations had inspired you. And I don't read, so I was like, she consider herself a fancy Nancy now. But uh, one time I opened my mouth, someone had a laugh at that. I said, well, I don't know who, who's invest who are the kid investigators. And they said, G and DK are the most famous kid investigators. Well, you had laid out what was clearly another presence there, the boots, the candy, you know, muddy handprints on uh, garden, gardening things, even a couple of shirts and things, uh, 
And I said, is the caretaker getting sloppy, had gotten sloppy or what? But you'd gathered them over time. And some were older than the others. But that's all you had. And you kept watching from your clock tower, trying to find uh, who was leaving these candy wrappers and these blue, blue boot prints around. And I understand that you had kind of started to grow and grow in, in age and maturity and knowledge and you were you were no fool you said who someone else is here providing part of this for me someone else is helping take care of this park why haven't i seen them why haven't they reached out to me uh, why haven't they contacted me at all what is going on and sometimes you would lose your frustration now, you'd never come to me, but that was mostly because I was very overgrown. And so you'd say, you wouldn't even know. You'd say, is that a retention basin? Or was that once, uh, uh, you know, your eye would skip over it. There was also the sinkhole that formed on a street in the, the land of adventure. Uh, so no one would go that way. It looked like that part of the park was, uh, you'd have to go all the way around. And even coming up the other side, uh, which had, I think, uh, something else was blocking the other side down there. But even coming up the other side, the sinkhole was still in the entire road in front of the path. Uh, the walkway, I guess they called it when the park was open, is gone. Uh, so there really was no way to go in as a guest would. And you were smart, smart even as a young child. So you, as soon as you saw the sinkhole, you realized, oh, this is probably growing a little bit. Uh, no reason, plenty of other places to explore. And even getting the idea, oh, there's sinkholes in this area, but not in these other areas. Why should I be about in a sinkhole area unless I really need to? So you, you know, I have to give it to you very much. Uh, it wasn't a hospital. I'm not a hospitable place. Uh, full of uh, life, though. Not the life you... Well, well, we'll talk about that right now. But then I caught your attention, or I didn't exactly catch your attention. But you had become more and more adept at scanning the park and noticing things as you would have been in the case and been more and more frustrated with your lack of results and you started to notice the activity of the birds uh, above me. And when the birds were, some birds lived in my trees. Uh, and the fact was when someone would disturb them, they would all fly up. Uh, or when someone would drop something for the birds to eat, they would all gather and circle and make a big fuss. And I think for a long time you just said, well, that's what birds do every once in a while. They... Uh, fly out of the trees and they make a big to-do. must be bird behavior. But something about it one day caught your attention and you started to just keep track of uh, what the weather was like, uh, what the time of day was that the birds were making it to-do. And uh, I don't know if you noticed a pattern, but it, you noticed something. And then there was one time you were just sitting up there thinking and looking not really scanning, you know, at ease. 
And you have to be looking my way at the lush trees and just barely be able to see through the dense canopy. Uh, little sparkles of water. But you weren't really studying me. It was like you were looking through me. I don't know what you were thinking about. You know, because I was seeing you from a tree just across the way that was almost as high as the clock tower. Yeah, but, I, you know, I couldn't, just because I had access to the trees and the vines, didn't mean I could read your mind. Yeah, but then all of these birds just shot up, uh, and it was sudden, and, and they were circling, and, and they were squawking, saying, hey, hey, hey. And I think you even noticed some bushes or some trees moving. And so you uh, noted it, and then you rushed down in a hurry. But it took you quite a while to climb down the clock tower, gather your things that you like to bring with you. Of course, a, a light jacket always, and a probing walking stick. Uh, and then you headed over, and you realized, oh, yes, there's sinkholes there. That, that's uh, the patch of green behind the sinkhole. But then you set to it. You set to exploring, and you... Probed the end of the sinkhole, but the end of the sinkhole uh, went all the way up against uh, the side of some of the very well-constructed uh, uh, small-town USA, uh, you know, the, for, for the main strip of shops. And uh, so then you climbed eventually over onto the roofs of those that you had been on before, and you climbed back down and headed through some of the backstage areas. And eventually you found your way through a fence, uh, and you followed the side of the fence, uh, very, very thick foliage, uh, into another fence, uh, and that was uh, slow going at first, but you stuck by the fence, uh, which was smart because you could barely see very far, and the tree was, uh, and this was just a fence separating the attraction from the backstage area, so that the cast couldn't go messing around in my attraction. And I think maybe the founder's uh, grandchildren or something would just sneak back there occasionally. But you followed the fence all the way up into the edge of uh, of my attraction. And actually, what you didn't know is like uh, of the boundaries of the park, uh, and there was uh, you could see through one fence. And you could see on the other side of the fence it had been uh, landscaped. The fence was, this was not the fence, an internal park fence. This was an external, an internal park fence running into a fence to the outside. And you could see to your right, finally, that that was cleared. And to your left on the other side of the fence you were on, that it was clear that someone was maintaining this fence on either side uh, that uh, all of the brush and all of the vines were constantly being taken off. And then you could see the big uh, canal, the big retention basin uh, separating the, uh, the boundaries of the park, actually. The guests would never see it because uh, uh, it looked moat-like. And then on the other side of that, yet another fence uh, that was not as well maintained, but was still maintained. And these were, you know, not fences for the guests to see, so they were uh, painted dark colors and not very inviting. 
And you followed the boundary fence to the right. And eventually, after not that long of walking, you know, there was a path, a clear path uh, along the fence uh, where the forest, uh, the jungle was kept at bay. And eventually you reached the two canals that led into my attraction. And your ears pricked right up and you could hear that uh, there was pumps uh, working. Uh, The pumps are bringing water in uh, and pumping water back out. And, And then you saw how... Uh, that the uh, there was a bridge bringing water in uh, from these large hills outside of the boundary, still part of the larger property. I don't know why I'm explaining this all back to you, but those hills were actually reservoirs of rainwater, and uh, that would bring fresh water back into my attraction when needed and pump the water out so, so that the water in my attraction, the river, I'm a river, by the way, is uh, always uh, slowly, slowly moving. And you could also see the solar panels that were running the pumps, and uh, that those were very clean. And this got your attention, because anytime something's kept up in this park here, in this way, it gets your attention, obviously. Your mind had become... Uh, very, very, uh, you, you were maintaining your mind like this fence and this equipment was being maintained. And you looked down at the canals and you noticed, uh, it was a, it was not just pumps, but it was a system of locks to let things in and that there was even fencing down there. And then you noticed in the, in the canal and the fencing was very tight, uh, because there was fish in the canal. And that it was a very fine, almost netting to keep the fish, or even the littler fish, from swimming out. Uh, and that the nice thing was the water was so slow moving that even the smaller fish uh, were not getting, it was no problem. And so you said, hmm, this is interesting. And then you followed the fence around the entire attraction, moving clockwise uh, around my boundary which was slow going, you know, because it was just a few feet between the fence and the thick, thick jungle. And eventually you found your way to the the, the loading and unloading area, to the docks uh, in some of the cast member areas. And the building that would do the loading and the unloading, which wasn't really in terrible shape. It hadn't been kept up, but it had been made from composites. And I think because of the use of, you know, the use that the guests couldn't see, the composites were on some concrete and there was some concrete that it wasn't exactly, it wasn't a lot of dirt for me to, for growth to take hold there. And there wasn't really any wood. It was all uh, concrete and composites and very well made. So you started going through the, and the interesting thing was, you know, this was preparing for a jungle adventure a cruise down the jungle rivers. And so you started, it was already set up like a camp, and there was still uh, some parts that weren't in terrible shape, so you ended up bringing your bedroll in uh, because there was still, uh, 
Uh, I, I think this is in the cast area. You started finding things that they would use to update the attraction, like mosquito nets, which made for perfect sleeping for you. And then you would sleep in the loading area that was designed to look like a camp anyway. And you would listen to the sounds, which were very intense by me, the bird sounds and the the little bit cricket sounds and the sounds of bubbling and frogs, fish jumping. It was a nice place to sleep, uh, especially with, you know, you had those nets, so you didn't have to worry about it. And the water, we had no stagnant water here, so it was a nice place uh, to rest. And then you just started digging more through the cast member areas. For There was like a... This was like a place that was very personalized. You had this, my attraction, you had to apply again to be there because uh, each boat had a host on it that was there to tell their own jokes and things while they gave you this imaginary tour uh, deep, you know, deep into the heart of the rivers, uh, as Conrad would say in different terms. Uh, so you went through, you started getting into their lockers, which took some efforts. And that's where you found in one locker, a photo album, which you took back with you. And you also found uh, that one of the lockers had, uh, uh, miscellaneous things for the gift shop. Uh, and you found a book about my attraction. So you'd be able to, you got to look at what I looked like in my heyday. And you would stay there at night, and you had your little lamp. It was like you—it was like I'd become real in some sense, and you were an adventurer just on the edge of my adventure, uh, waiting and reading. And you know, you didn't wait very long to do the adventuring, but at night, you know, you'd be resting and reading and looking at the pictures of me, and then looking through this photo album of a young woman. Uh, and pictures of her with her family, uh, visiting her. She was a, a boat captain, but also, you know, doing family things and her growing up uh, with her family. Uh, you know, just looking at all of her and her siblings and uh, her happiness and times she didn't look so happy. But during the day, you were exploring the forests and the jungles around me, within me, that were me. And you did start to find the paths of some well-worn paths, and you followed them. And some of them went to technical things, like the pumps that ran the waterfalls, all the waterfalls within my attraction uh, that were also powered by the sun and solar panels just put out of sight, but that they were regularly maintained uh, to aerate the water. And even from the top of the waterfalls, you could see down into the the water uh, that was a part of me as well. And that because the water was moving and aerating, uh, it seemed somewhat clean and clear depending on the day. So you could see that it was teeming with life, uh, with fish, and with uh, things that fish eat, which are little uh, insect friends and... Uh, some spots of floating algae or floating plants. I don't know. You know, I I, I know them, uh, but only by their personality, which is, you know, they're kind of slow-moving and chill. You could see things larger than fish that were swimming occasionally and saying hello to the fish, which you get in my belly. Uh, 
you know, modern dinos, I'd say we could call them Gree. Yeah, and you said, okay, I've got to keep an eye out for them. They don't look too friendly. And you started to explore more, and you noticed, yeah, that some of the paths as they headed towards the water had uh, wicker fences about three feet high on either side that you could easily step over. But you had determined, oh, that's to keep the dinos, uh, the uh, modern dinos, uh, because they're very low in squat. Uh, they probably can't get over these fences. They'll just bump into them. So you thought that was interesting. that, it, and, and you followed those paths that went down uh, to parts of the water. And you said, okay, this is where the fishing goes on. And you found equipment uh, for both fishing with lines and of going in uh, poles and things to get out uh, uh, baskets. So you say, oh, that's an easy way to get the fish in these baskets. And, you know, you said, okay, you even found a bigger, uh, bigger boom with the net. Uh, and that took you a while to figure out, but you realized that that was a place where those, like, uh, dino, uh, modern dinos, uh, they gathered a little bit deeper of a pool uh, where there was fish uh, that would go down deeper and they would go visit the fish. And you said, it was a, you know, you'd tell this boom and pole and net was used. Uh, you said, oh, this is used for these dinos. Uh, uh, and you started to think about how uh, you probably had, uh, they had been in your belly possibly. And even some of the birds, you realized uh, that you were in uh, a lush area. Uh, he said, oh, okay, this is, uh, this." Uh, and you kind of appreciated. He said, I felt like that, that you said, oh, you are giving me life. You are providing me life, and but someone is maintaining this uh, so that it is able to do so. Someone is enabling it to be somewhat wild, but not totally gone wild. And then you would wait, uh, you would read at night, but you would got your bed closer to the big open windows looking out at the attraction. And you would wait, you, sometimes you waited at the paths, and sometimes you waited up in the second floor of the queue, looking and listening. And sometimes you would hear the birds stir and you would run down, but you never saw anyone. And eventually you found, started finding the occasional candy wrapper. And you started to get a bit, bit, bit frustrated, I think, a bit frustrated that you hadn't, uh, that you were close, uh, but you still hadn't seen another person, the, the, uh, the caretaker. And this whole time you'd also been kind of influenced by the book you were reading, looking at my attraction. And you started to find the places where the the the, uh, the manufactured parts of my attraction, but you started to remake them with pictures from the girls' of photo album, kind of like you took the giant butterfly section, and you did find the the, the some of the uh, the wires that had made up the giant butterflies, but most of the plastics and other things had fallen off or deteriorated. But you made do with some clothing, and you made the butterflies look like they had wings. 
but then you took a log uh, about your size, uh, and you designed it like a young woman, and you had found a uniform, and you put the uniform on the log, and a, a safari hat on the head, and you made an arm pointing at the butterflies, and you gave us some hair, like uh, the long blonde hair of the girl in the picture. You put a smile on her face like she was talking a joke about the butterflies. Like, what do you call it uh, when breakfast, I don't know, when you make breakfast, the toast has wings. Uh, butterflies, I don't know. I, I don't have, I don't remember any of the jokes they used to tell, I guess. And then you, uh, you like, uh, made sure the falls were clear because you knew there was a lot of jokes about the falls. There was a welcoming party of, uh, you know, these, these jokes, I don't think, I, I'm surprised they still so, stood up. They said, well, you're not really welcome in our, our forest or jungle. Keep your boat moving. Uh, so you kind of designed them in a simple way. And they were blowing spitballs uh, through spitball shooters. But again, you took another log and you designed the girl. Instead of being on the boats, because uh, all of my boats were gone. I don't know what had happened to them. I mean, I know there was a few sunk right at the boat repair area, but they were never getting... But anyway, so you uh, designed her... And uh, making another joke about the welcoming party and the spitballs. And you even put a spitball on her face uh, in her frowning, one half frown, half smile. It really captured uh, the girl from the pictures, even though you were working in logs and sticks and garbage and, and different things you could use. And then uniforms. It was beautiful. And then there was a camp that had been taken over by forest friends and they'd kicked out the adventurers and they were using all the adventurers' things. And it took you a long time to get back up, which at that one you didn't even bother. You made it, uh, you took a picture from her camping trip with her family and you put them all in the tent playing a game. Uh, four logs, uh, you know, a young woman, a boy, and then a mother and a father playing a board game in an open tent. And you really put a lot of work into that. And again, I was like stunned. And, and you were careful about all of the dinos and everything. Uh, but, you know, you were, these were areas that weren't super accessible to them anyway. And then on the second falls, where they make a joke that I never even understood, you actually uh, uh, found a rock and you put a log on that, pointing to the falls, saying, back in, by water's butt or something. This is the butt of a water joke. Don't be the butt of a joke about water. And you put her in a uniform, pointing at it. Uh, and that one was almost like a hidden. I don't know if you would notice it. Uh, and you did have to climb up a waterfall and go back down, but you stayed out of the river, which I was glad about. And this way you had avoided the river water yeah, because of those dinos. And then there was the temple. Uh, and again, you put one from her family, and that was actually a trip of them uh, visiting Thailand. And uh, you did a picture of them 
and you mate with that like they were in Thailand on a family trip there in a temple, uh, taking time to show uh, reverence uh, for the statue within this temple. And all that was old, uh, you know, that was all crafted concrete or something. So that was all. And then, you know, you put the logs in there. And instead of the end of the ride with the different things, you just did another family scene of uh, of her giving. It was just beautiful in the photo album I saw, which we're looking at. Uh, her getting a special token uh, from the visit for each of her family members uh, from the park. Uh, and uh, then one last one of her waving goodbye to all the guests uh, instead of the old... Uh, uh, tropey things I guess we had in the attraction that maybe were past the prime. And I guess I didn't quite get it uh, until afterwards uh, that you weren't uh, just doing this for yourself, uh, for, for for just expression. Like uh, when you express yourself internally, I guess you're expressing yourself externally. And so uh, that's what you were doing uh, in... You were trying to get a message out there, maybe, or have someone relate to how you were feeling. Uh, but no one, I guess, uh, I didn't realize it. Uh, I don't I don't think there was anything I could have done other than appreciate it a little bit more. But you sat and waited, uh, still hoping to find uh, whoever had been coming and servicing things and uh, getting fish and... Uh, they didn't come, and you wanted to see if they were going to come and look at your work, and then it rained, and you were even staying during the rain because you had saw that uh, the thing to catch the dino had been set up, uh, that they must have been out of belly dino. And so you slept in a tree overlooking that, and it rained for days, and you were miserably cold and wet and just sitting there trying to sleep in a tree or hugging it. Uh, and then eventually you woke up and you, you, that was when you, you, the, the weather broke and the sun came out. And you seemed uh, a bit perturbed. And you actually remembered, uh, and this was, you know, long, no, no details needed, but that there was a canoe uh, that was a prop, uh, another attraction you had been in. And you had checked it, and you said, this is a real canoe. It's not glued or anything. And so you went all the way back to that attraction and brought the canoe back, and it was heavy and unwieldy. Well, you were very strong. Even with your strength, it took a, took a full, full long day, and you were exhausted. But you got that canoe in the water, and you had two paddles. And and then I said, oh, no, this is not a good idea. And not only that, you weren't just, you, you grabbed a long stick and the paddles, and you started pushing over the logs that you had taken so much time to design, uh, pushing them in the water where the hair and their smiles fell off and their uniforms sunk to the bottom and, you know, the ones that were on the shore, just pushing them over with a stick uh, and then splashing the dino friends, uh, which they didn't take. You know, they were confused. They said, who is it? What is going on here? 
But they also gave you that look. Uh, and they said, what is she doing? She is too foolish. And you were so stubborn that you decided to sleep one night in the canoe. Which I said, well, it's not a terrible idea, except for the fact uh, uh, with your arms crossed and a full moon lying. And I said, well, you could lie there. And it, the canoe just slowly moved until it was up against the fence uh, where the water exited. So by the time you fell asleep, uh, you would just drift it against the fence uh, in a nice, uh, safe, restful place. And then you awoke again. Uh, and you paddled back, and then you seemed to really, uh, even that fire in you was just, it had been uh, stirred, stirred up, uh, and you saw that the thing for the dinos had still not, uh, they hadn't, uh, none of the dinos had swam, in, swam into it. We uh, saw there was bells on there, and you got out, and at first I thought you were going to ruin it. Uh, um, I said, what is she, what is she doing? Uh, and, and first I, you were like, you're struggling with it. Uh, and then an idea must've clicked in your head. Uh, and you undid it uh, so that it wouldn't catch a dino. Uh, but you left it looking like it would, you got rid of, uh, whatever they'd put in there, extra dino food. And then you ran off, uh, and you searched and searched the park, uh, and you searched the lockers of uh, other attractions even until you found a nutso bar. And then you ran back with, actually, I think you had a few stuffed in your pockets. And then I couldn't really see what you were doing, but you detached some of the bell. The, what are the bells? Is that what they're called? Uh, uh, that were on there to say, oh, we caught a dino. And you said something of your own. I said, what is she doing here? Is she trying to catch her own dino? But it, why would you try to... It didn't look like you were you were going to use a nutso bar to catch your own dino. Uh, but on land instead of water, and they're heavy. And I said, that's why the boom and the pole are there with the pulley. Uh, because uh, that makes it easy to uh, lift it out of the water and swing it over and... Uh, Send it to the big, big, big dino park in the sky, uh, eventually to your bellies. So then you set all that up, uh, and you headed off actually to your bed, and then you just stubbornly stayed in your room until one night you heard the jingle, jingling of the bells, uh, and you raced off, uh, and uh, as you got close and you heard the jingling, jingling, you said, okay. And before you went down that path, you paused because uh, you wondered, what, what is it in? Uh, what have I, have I got myself a dino? Uh, at first I said, is she wondering if she got herself a dino and how she's going to deal with it? But now I realize it was a combination of something uh, that you had been waiting for. And that you were probably both incredibly excited and a little bit nervous uh, to meet someone for the first time. And what you had anticipated, I don't really know. Uh, so you paused and even heard some uh, sounds that you would make, like rum type sounds. And you said, okay, I don't think this is a dino up there. 
And then you slowly moved, and you saw, and this was in the, it was a, only a half moon. So you could see that you, you had, I didn't realize you had made your own nets. And I thought it was nice you used to just do tons and tons of mosquito netting so that no one would get to get, you said, oh, that's a really good way for a person. And you could see here the crinkling of the nutso bar wrapper. And you saw someone in there. Uh, and they were there. And then you were wondering what you were going to do, I guess. Uh, he said, uh-huh, uh, But you untied it. I said, where did she learn to do this book? Uh, uh, but you settled the, uh, you eventually settled, you released it and settled the net down. And uh, the person in there would need some help, and you approached so slowly, uh, and you made some soothing sounds, uh, uh, but also some quivering sounds, not believing that you were going to meet the, the caretaker that had been... Uh, I'm sure you had some mixed feelings before and after, but at this moment it was uh, kind of an awe-like feeling as you slowly approached... And the net was still tied at the top, uh, the way you had made it, uh, so they couldn't get uh, get out without your help. Uh, and then I wondered if you wondered what who what, what does this caretaker look like? Uh, if you had an image in your mind, uh, uh, and you padded uh, the package, uh, and uh, made this, it's okay type sound, and then. Uh, they stopped struggling, and you unknotted it, and you opened it up, uh, and looking up at you was not what you expected, not an old grizzled man. I guess that's what you expected, and that's what was on a lot of the rides. And I could tell then that you were very surprised, for this wasn't a man but a boy, a boy younger than you, tall uh, and lanky. But not as tall as you, holding in his hand a nutso bar and kind of staring at you. Uh, again, I guess because of the times and the circumstances, uh, wasn't more so much fear as, uh, uh, I don't know if there's a word here, even in my jungle ride, uh, about it, uh, uh, not curiosity, but he looked at you in a way, I guess maybe if there was a UFO to land, uh, uh, you'd say, what is, uh... but at the same time with a knowing awareness of your presence uh, and that you weren't what he expected to see. And then for the first time, you spoke words to another person. The first time... I guess it was monumental for me to be there to another person. You said, hello, hi, and you reached out both palms, and then you reached out one palm like a handshaker that you had seen and learned about at your time in the park, and you smiled, and you pointed at the nutso bar, and you reached into your pocket and pulled out another one. Now, this boy was not a, 
his action was uh, slow and deliberate too, not feral and grabbing and not hostile at all. Uh, more of a comfortable interest, and he nodded and then grunted a few times uh, and uh, held his up and then pointed his not-so-bar at yours uh, and nodded again and then instead of making a grunting sound, made a sound like... And he started to eat his nutso bar and indicated that you ate your nutso bar. And uh, uh, then you, the two of you, walked back to your place uh, uh, to, the, to the loading and unloading area where you made your camp. Uh, you showed him your room. And uh, you made he still didn't communicate or speak back to you other than with sounds. Uh, so you made a symbol about sleeping, and you pointed to it, uh, and he nodded. And it was a bit confusing. You said you made him get in your bed and sleep there, and then you slept at the side of the bed uh, with a secondary bedroll you had. And for colder nights, uh, and you both slept so soundly in each other's presence so deeply. As the half moon set, uh, and the night grew darker, and my sounds uh, grew more comforting, and both of you breathed. I think both of you stayed awake for a little while, wondering, wondering what all this meant. This connection. Who was this other person? But you knew uh, that this wasn't something to be overly concerned about, just to be interested in. You listened to the sounds of the night, uh, and they carried you into a deep, deep sleep. Good night. I want to thank everybody for showing Venmo recently, Joel, uh, Henry, uh, Sarah, and Valerie. Thank you, thank you all, and good night. Uh, I want to thank everybody that uh, supported the show on PayPal, Meredith B, uh, Emma R, and Allison J. Thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Laura Ann, uh, Catherine, and David M. Thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Ashley S, Andrea W, and Madeline T. Thank you, thanks, and good night. Ryan B, Susan T, and Donna G, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Paul C, Carol S, and Stacy K, thank you, thanks, and good night. Brenda M, Alexander B, and Beverly S, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Hal M, Brian R, and Kate F, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Stephanie F, Catherine J, and Lisa K, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, so thanks everybody for supporting the show on PayPal and Patreon. And then over on YouTube, I want to thank Deborah, Johnny, and uh, Textually, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Nolia, uh, Boot, and Commander, thank you, thanks, and good night. 
Dempsey, Vivian, and Lori. Thank you, thanks, and good night. Jimmy, Georgina, and Pixel. Thank you, thanks, and good night. Ashley, Rick, and Cool Guy. Thank you, thanks, and good night. Pinky, Latte Cat, and Mark. Thank you, thanks, and good night. H, Victoria, and Luke. Thank you, thanks, and good night. Challenge, D, Damon. With a D, with an E, and Pamela, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Jax, uh, Kodos, and Joe, thank you, thanks, and good night. Violet, Emmanuel, and Debbie, thank you, thanks, and good night. Smile, Stephen, and Thoughts, thank you, thank you, and good night. Thank you, and good night. Uh, Jennifer, Ellie, and Under, thank you, thanks, and good night. Challenge. Narwhal and Window, thank you, thanks, and good night. 28, Kiki, and 7, thank you, thanks, and good night. Sean, Bry, and Swoosh, thank you. Thanks, thanks, and good night. Thanks, and good night, everybody, for supporting the show in different ways. Uh, good night.